The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And how about that trade to Tampa now? Big game James, the most impressive game he's pitched in a Royals uniform, in my opinion, especially considering the stage and the expectations and the pressure of this trip. And the Royals emerged victorious, one nothing for the first time in club history at Yankee Stadium. That kind of surprised me. What's up? It's Davo welcoming you into another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. Is yeah, Shields essentially wins this game all on his own, and I couldn't help but think of. Billy Chapel, a.k.a. Kevin Costner in the movie For Love of the Game. If you haven't seen that one or if it's been a while, dig it up. You know, he goes into Yankee Stadium and throws the perfect game. And, and Shields had that going on for three-plus innings in this one. So, you know, and then we get a one nothing win. I just kept thinking about that. That movie kept playing in my head throughout this game. And Dave Island, by the way, was Kevin Costner's body double in that movie. So a few little parallels there. But, I mean, Shields, I mean, huge stage, wasn't it? You start a six-game road trip. You know you have to go at least three and three, more likely four and two, and you want to come out right away and get that first win. And Shields knew his offense wasn't scoring him any runs coming into the game, and by the third, fourth, fifth innings, it was pretty clear the Royals weren't going to score more than two tonight. You were kind of hoping for a blast at some point. never happened. But Shields, a line of eight and a third with no runs, only three hits, Six strikeouts and zero walks. That's only four base runners allowed. He did hit one batter. Four base runners and eight and a third for James Shields. Amazing. No runs, three hits, six Ks, and no walks. Everything was working for Shields tonight. The changeup, maybe the best it's looked this year. There was a couple games last year where it was lights out as well, but I'm trying to think back. I mean, definitely in recent times, that's the best the changeup has looked. Cutter was good. I mean, Shields just had wicked movement tonight. He was just throwing the ball exactly where he wanted. He was attacking inside and away, and him and Perez were on the same page. Just so much fun to watch that. And a blue pit by Derek Jeter did did, uh, in Shields this night, maybe two hitters before you were hoping. You were hoping for the complete game shutout, obviously, as Jeter gets the little blue pit to center field in the ninth. And the Royals go to Wade Davis, the other part of that Tampa trade, which looks better and better by the day. I mean, Shields really down the stretch has, has stepped it up. But even looking at Wade Davis all year, you know, I was for the trade since day one. All has been pro in that trade. But, I, I mean, I think it's looking better and better now. And, and if the Royals make the playoffs, there's not a person alive that can say that was a bad trade for the Royals. Still a long ways to go there. But, I mean, yeah, Wade Davis comes in. And I don't know, where, where were you at when that move was made? What were you thinking, honestly? Now, think to yourself. Were you Be honest here. Were you hoping Shields would stay in, or were you hoping they'd go to Davis slash Holland? We found out later, obviously, Holland has some tricep issues, so probably a good thing that they gave him the night off. Hopefully nothing serious. It'd be nice if they could give him one more day off tomorrow with a nice, maybe convincing win or what have you, but didn't have to use Herrera, so I guess you'd still have Herrera and Davis for the 8th and ninth tomorrow if need be. Hopefully Duffy can go 7. But what were you thinking? Were you thinking Shields would finish or they should go to the pen? Either way, I think was the was a fair answer. Either way was the right move. In my opinion, Ned Yost couldn't have blown that either way. You leave James Shields out there, he's under 100 pitches, only the fourth base runner, and Jeter, a nice piece of hitting, reached low and away and slapped the ball in the center field. It wasn't like that was a line drive. I mean, for the night, how many balls did the Yankees hit hard? Two the whole night? Only one real deep, you know, where you were like, <gasps> lost your breath for a half second, and that was the ball that Brett Gardner hit to you know, the corner there. 
where it's just, what, 308 down the line there, and Kane made the, the catch maybe three steps in front of the wall. You're a little bit nervous there. But outside of that, I mean, Shields, the Yankees never really had much of a chance. The majority of their hits outside of Jeter were all with two outs also. And, of course, when you get two outs and nobody on and you give up a hit, as long as it's inside the ballpark, you still got a pretty damn good chance at getting out of that inning unscathed, as Shields did all night. But I thought they should have stayed with Shields. I mean, I shouldn't say I, I thought that. I was hoping they were going to stay with Shields. But I was fine with Ned making the move. Either way, I, I, it was the right move, in my opinion. Either way. On one hand, you've got Shields out there, and he's the sole reason, essentially. We'll talk about the offense. There was two key players tonight. But essentially, he's the sole reason you're in position to win that game, obviously. It had one nothing. I mean, you got no run support again. That's been a common theme obviously, throughout the season and in recent days, especially the last week. So on one hand, he's gotten you there, and you want to see him finish it, especially because the Yankees hadn't bunched together a couple hits, you know, and, and Jeter's was soft and whatever, a pitcher's pitch. On the other hand, obviously, Davis is having a career season, a video game season, one of perhaps the 10 best seasons individually in Major League history for a reliever, and certainly up there. If he finishes the way he's going, finishes strong, you can certainly make that case. So I think it was fine either way. I, Davis comes in and did a great job there. Talk about pressure on him. You got the crowd there at Yankee Stadium in it. You know, runner moves up to second on the stolen base. Would have been a wild pitch either way. But, I mean, he wouldn't have thrown him out either way either. So it's, 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 it's a stolen base because the runner was moving as the pitch was uncorked by Davis. Luckily, it took a nice bounce back to Salvador Perez off the backstop there. But he comes back from 3-1, just pure gas. 98, two pitches in a row to blow away Brett Gardner. Runner at second, two outs. Crowd in their feet. If you're like me, you're nervous beyond belief. You're thinking, God. I mean, half of me was like they're going to win, and half of me was panicking because, you know, the last 25 years of Royals baseball started creeping in my mind. <laughs> I'm sure you are probably the same. We were both probably torn on what would happen. And Davis was able to get Carlos Beltran looking backwards K for the win. And what a win it was, one nothing. James Shields and Wade Davis. Doesn't that trade almost feel justified just off this game alone? Aren't we having that much fun right now? This is just fun. You know, whatever happens, it's just it's so much fun watching this team every day. I mean, how many years and decades in a row has there been where on a Friday night in September, you know, we're out doing something. We're out at the bar. We're out at a high school football game. We're out mowing our lawn or, you know, watching a movie or casually following the Royals game because they're 10 under 500 and we don't really care. But tonight we're glued to our TV sets, aren't we? We're checking the Tigers game as I record this at 1045. I've got the MLB TV minimized. I'm watching the Tigers and Giants currently 8-2, so Giants in the sixth inning. So you've got to think the Royals are going to gain another game on Detroit, which is Giants. No pun intended. Actually, pun is intended there. But you would have to think that the Giants can hopefully, the same as the Royals, get at least one of the next two, which would put both teams in great position at the end of the weekend as the Giants are still up for the wild card, have an outside chance at catching the Dodgers. And, of course, if the Royals take two of three, and the Tigers lose two of three, then the Royals are going to gain another game. Man, that'd be cool. Going into Detroit with a couple games cushion. Anyway, it's just fun. Now, offensively, we, we talked all about the pitching, which is we can't talk about it enough. I mean, I could talk about James Shields for 10 more minutes. Wade Davis for 10 more minutes. I mean, the pitching was awesome tonight. And I'm not concerned about Holland. Give him a couple days. If, if he needs tomorrow off, that's fine, too. We can use Davis and Herrera tomorrow for the eighth and ninth. In the seventh inning, there's a lot of lefties. You could also go to a guy like Bueno tomorrow, maybe Finnegan if it's not that close of a game. So you've got enough firepower, obviously, to get through the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning tomorrow. You don't really have to have Holland available until Sunday or Monday. So hopefully by then, he'll be okay. So offensively tonight, it starts and ends with Escobar and Aoki. And it starts and ends offensively in the top of the third. I didn't realize when I went back and looked 
Did you realize that the Royals, to end this game, literally had no more offense? They had one more hit after Noriaoki's. It was Salvador Perez, a single. But the Royals saw their last 17 hitters in a row retired tonight. 17 in a row. So essentially six innings in a row, the Royals didn't have a base runner tonight. I mean, I guess it was that bad when I think about it, but I don't know. Did it seem that bad? I guess I was just so into James Shields and feeling so positive that I never really worried that much tonight, as, as weird as that is to say. Deep down, I thought one more. Deep down, I thought once the fifth inning arrived, I thought if the Royals got the two runs, it was a lock. I really did. I thought the Yankees would probably get a run, though. But I don't know. I mean, by the time the seventh hit, I just felt like it was going to be enough. Offensively, that top of the third inning, Escobar and Aoki. Now, first of all, Alcides Escobar, perhaps his best at bat of the year. I know he had a grand slam earlier. He set some other good at bats. But, okay, top five at bats for sure of the year. Again, every game in September is huge. The Royals will now 4-0 in September. But every game in September is just huge, especially where the Royals are at right now. They've got to get every win they can stocked up. Because you know Detroit's got another run in them, and you know Detroit also has that easy last week. While you've got half of an easy last week, you have at Cleveland, and the possibility of facing Kluber is not good. So you want to have a two- or three-game lead going into that last week on Detroit for sure. To do that, you just keep winning games. Alcides Escobar, 11-pitch at bat in the top of the third inning. Foul ball after foul ball after foul ball. McCann went out there to talk to Pineda. A couple more foul balls after that. Escobar hits the ball hard. Didn't really smoke it, but hit the ball hard. To third base, a one-hopper misplayed as an error by Chase Headley. Could have gone either way. It probably was an error. That's probably the right call. But an 11-pitch at bat, but it didn't stop there. You would have thought that Escobar would just coast into first, and that's what Brett Gardner was thinking and left, kind of lollygagging, went to the ball, kind of relaxed, turned around, made the throw to second. And I think it was about the time the ball was about to be out of his hand when he realized Escobar was already halfway to second base. Escobar stretches that error into, well, either a double if you want to look at it that way or a two-base error. All hustle. So first you have a great at-bat, 11-pitch at-bat by Escobar. He makes it to second. That's awesome. That's a huge play, obviously, in the game. Noriaoki comes up then with one out, and you're like, come on, you, you or Omar, please, one of you guys get a hit. Just somebody. I was hoping for a blast there. I thought two, you know, I thought we'd have limited chances, obviously, to score tonight, and we did. Noriaoki's second pitch, because why wouldn't it be the second pitch? It seems like pretty much every at-bat he has this year, the outcome is decided out or on base on the second pitch. I bet if you went back and looked at that, he leads the team in second pitch outs, and probably that's the pitch in his pitch sequence in his at-bats where he gets out or gets on base the most is that second pitch, the most action pitch for him. But lines the single up the middle right by the ears of Pineda. Escobar comes in one nothing, and who would have thought that would have been it? Probably not most people. I think most people would have figured there'd been some more runs scored. But no, after that, it was just, you know, the Royals, like I said, one more base runner and then 17 hitters in a row. And yeah, the Yankees had a runner at second in the ninth after the Jeters hit the pinch runner moving to second on the stolen base slash wild pitch, however you want to look at that. But I mean, other than that, I mean, the second, I'll I'll give the Yankees that ninth inning because that was a legit rally. A runner at second with just one out in the heart of the order up and a new pitcher in. I mean, the, the crowd in it. That was legit. But outside of that, the Yankees maybe had one other inning where you're slightly worried. But like I said earlier, all the the Yankee quote-unquote rallies came with two outs and nobody on. And if you're not hitting the ball of the ballpark, it's just hard to do that, especially against somebody like Shields who was on tonight. So just an awesome win by the Royals. And the reason I love it so much is now, what, Casey's 6-4 and four in their last 10, and that's without any semblance of an offense. I mean, the offense is essentially not showing up the last 10 games, but yet the Royals still are playing 600 ball. 
And you could say, well, the Twins and the Rangers were in there. It doesn't matter. Detroit played the Twins and the Rangers the same as the Royals did. It doesn't matter. The Royals are finding ways to win the games. They're winning what's on the calendar, and they played a tougher part of their schedule earlier this year than the Tigers did, at least through this weekend, after this weekend, and it's pretty much even, I guess. But it's just a good sign. I mean, it, to me, it's trouble for the rest of the American League. If you're looking at the Royals right now and you're seeing them win one nothing and 2-1 and 4-1 to and 3-2, to and you look at them and you think, man, this team's not scoring any runs. How are they 17 games over 500, which, by the way, is a high, moder- high watermark this year for the Royals. Just think, guys. I mean, we know that this offense is not as bad as it is now, and we know it's not as good as it was for a good portion of August. Obviously, it's 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 not it's somewhere in the middle, and you have to think and you have to know this offense is not going to be slumbering all month long. Eventually, it's going to come alive. I think it'll be tomorrow. I think the Royals are going to break out for six or seven runs tomorrow. I really do. And when the hits start coming, the Royals are going to be tough, tough, tough. So you feel like if the Royals can continue to go three and three or four and two on this trip, even if the bats don't come alive totally, they're coming alive soon. And at that point, you have to feel like the Royals can reel off another winning streak. I mean, they're on a four-game winning streak right now. It doesn't even seem like it, does it? Because they're not scoring runs. It seems like they're not playing that well, but they're on a four-game winning streak. Do you realize that? You win tomorrow, well, that's another decent winning streak. You get to five and six games, and you know, third time they'll be doing that this year. I mean, that's a that's a pretty decent streak. So, like we said, three and three or four and two on this trip. The season ends in 23 days. Can you believe that? Tomorrow, Danny Duffy and Brandon McCarthy. McCarthy has been much better since coming over from the Diamondbacks, obviously. We talked about that last night extensively. Duffy, we know about him. Last start on national TV was great. He'll be on national TV again tomorrow. I'm assuming and I'm pretty sure Josh Willingham DHs tomorrow. If he's not DHing tomorrow, he's got to be seriously hurt because he hasn't played in over a week. And Butler continues to just absolutely sputter. He had that one double, but he's what one, about one for his last 19 now. I mean, you got to make a move. Willingham needs to get some at bats. You're paying him over a million dollars. You give up a damn good prospect in Jason Adam to get him. Not to mention the power and you know the fact he can take a walk, get on base. So Willingham's your DH tomorrow. Eric Kratz, probably the one game in this road trip that he catches. Afternoon games on Sunday and Monday as well. So you got to think Salvi catches the rest of the trip. But I would imagine Eric Kratz gets in there tomorrow. Salvi a day off. D.H. Kratz. Could Carlos Pagaro be your right fielder tomorrow with that short porch there in right field? It's tempting, isn't it? Potentially a Pagaro in right field. I guess it's possible Ned could put Willingham out there and D.H. Salvi tomorrow with Kratz catching. A lot of options. Do you want to go with Dyson tomorrow? Probably Dyson in center. I bet Kane gets the day off. Day game after night game. So I imagine Dyson's in center tomorrow. Willingham's in the lineup one way or another. And then... You know, depending on Pagaro or Perez, probably in the other slot is my guess for tomorrow's lineup. But Ned loves Raul Abana, so all bets are off. <laughs> so who really knows? Sunday, Yardano Ventura against Shane Green. I mean, the Royals, they have the edge in the last two games of this series. So this is getting really fun, guys. That's all I got to say. This is just fun talking Royals baseball with you. Thanks for listening to Clubhouse Conversation. Davos Dish, thanks for telling a friend about it. Uh, you know, pimp the interviews if you can. Check them out. Tell other people about them. Tell other people about the site. Let's just keep spreading the joy of Royals baseball, having fun here. And I love your tweets. I love hearing from you on email. So if you ever ever have a comment on this or want a question answered or want a shout-out or anything, let me know. Hit me up. Happy to make that happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow evening on Clubhouse Conversation. Go Royals!